Hello and welcome to another fan-critical podcast. Tonight we are going to be talking about the Oscars 2018, the 90th Academy Awards. Is it 90? Yeah, it's the 90th year of the Academy Awards. Nice there you round go, number. Yeah, nice good. Round number. Nine zero. Yeah, yeah, like that. So this evening we're going to be talking about the Best Picture nominations. We're going to be running a ballot. We're going to be running through cinematography, acting, directing, and everything else. This evening I am joined by Best Animation, Gareth in Australia. Oh, that's good. That's a good category. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, <laughs> our Best Supporting Actress, it's Lucy. I'm a I'm a main actress, but okay. No, you're not. I think you're really good at playing that um, sort of, you know, that drunken alcoholic supporting actress role that we've come to love and know. Name one actress or one role that that fits into. Okay, and Moonlight last year. 2018's leading actress, it's hard. Len. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll yeah, take I will it. take supporting if that means. That yeah, you deserve that. I mean, and I'm director of the year, Academy Award winning Emma, your host. Well, hold on. Now looking back, animation's a bit shit. Why have I got that? So this evening, while we're talking through our feelings, our opinions and uh, all of our other thoughts regarding the Oscar nominations, we're also going to be running a fan critical ballot to explain that to everybody listening to the podcast and everybody taking part. Len, take it away. Oh yeah, okay. So uh, basically what we're going to do is um, for every single category uh, that we've decided to go up to. So we're only going for eight categories here. Only eight. So there's the eight categories. We're going to go through Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Cinematography and Best Animated Film. And between the five of us, uh, John cannot be with us today, but he still will submit his answers. We are going to say what we think will win each category. If we get it right, we will get a point. If you get it wrong, you get nothing. There will also be a bonus three-point award if we can all guess the film that will win the most awards on the night, which is quite a tricky one this year because there's a lot of uh, a lot of close sort of running films. So it's not a, not a shoe in to say what's going to win at all. So if no one else can keep up with how that scoring system works, don't worry. It's like QI. Our elf, Len, will keep us up to date and let us know where we are at the end of the show. Yes, I'm... So let's talk about the biggest nominations. Let's talk about Best Picture. There are nine films. Mental that there's nine films. Completely mental because normally there are seven, well, they, six or seven. They, they used to have a limit of, I think it was six. But then what they did in the last couple of years is they've opened it up to ten maximum. So this year we've got a real, a veritable smorgasbord of different films, topics, themes we are talking about three billboards outside ebbing missouri the shape of water the post phantom thread ladybird get out dunkirk darkest hour and call me by your name i know as a group we have managed to see every single one of these films some of us more than others um i'm going to come to you first lucy talk to me about what you think deserves to win Best Picture this year at the 90th Academy Awards. That's it's tough, tough isn't that's it? A tough that's one, a tough opening gambit. It's really tough. Um, going for it. Just to make it clear, is it favourite or best? Because obviously best film ever is Godfather. Favourite film is Wedding Singer. So, Well, neither of them are nominated for I know, but I'm talking about best and favourite. I assume, I, I assume Wedding Singer is going to win this year's Oscars. Check the odds. From this set of nominations... 
What film do you think will win the Best Picture Oscar at this year's Academy Awards? I think Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri will win. And you know something else? I think it should win. So, Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks to solve actual crime. What the hell is this? Dixon, I'm in the middle of my goddamn Easter dinner. Sorry, kids. I know, Chief, but I think we got kind of a problem. Sunshine beating on a good time. I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. I'm sorry about Angie, but the town is dead set against these billboards. You know who threw that can? What can? How about you, sweetheart? Uh, no, I, I didn't really... Go, girl. And why? Lucy, why? I just think, for me, I haven't seen every single one of the films. However, I think from start to finish, if we're talking about script, if we're talking about characterization, if we're talking about performances, if we're talking about storyline, I think it ticked every box, really. Mm-hmm. And as, I, as I've said, I haven't seen them all, but that was the film, and I've seen a lot of them recently, literally within the last week, yep. that was the most complete to me. And I... It felt like an Oscar-winning film, and I think it. Sh- I think it should get best film. Maybe it wasn't my favourite, but I think it should get best film. So it's interesting because I didn't expect that from you, Lucy. Uh, I'm so full of surprises these you days. You are just full Who of surprises. Sober as well. I actually. So it's funny because Three Billboards was one of the first Oscar films that I saw, and I came out of the cinema going, "It's got to win Best Picture. It's definitely got to win." Mm. And then I changed my mind, having seen more films in the last two weeks than I have. Probably in the last six months. Yeah, I love this time of year. But before I start throwing out my opinions, um, Gareth, you've not seen as many maybe as the rest of us, but from that list of nominations, what's your opinion on, on what should win Best Picture as an overall? Three Billboards is obviously, well, it's the, the strong, strong favourite and it will probably win. Like that, That's what I predict will win. However, do I think it was my favourite of the movies that I've seen? Not necessarily. It was very good. Um, but it's like it's 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 one of those movies that is like a it's like an Oscar winner, isn't it? Like it's a little bit sort of pretentious, a little bit full of itself. I think. You see, I, disagree I did with that. not think that at all. I, I have to say, I'm going to agree with Gareth. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's full of it. Get I think out. full of itself is a bit. Is it, I know what you're trying to say, Gaz. It's a, It's very self-aware. Yes. It's self-aware yes. of what it is. I thoroughly enjoyed. Three billboards. I came out of the cinema going, going great film, and and you know we'll come on to best actress later. You know, probably favourite in that department too. But I mean, there were certain points of the script that I felt were a little bit clunky, um, and I and I wasn't especially fond of the ending. We're doing no spoilers in this podcast, but um, no spoiler warning. You know, some endings are a bit ambiguous. I felt the ending was a bit meh. I like uh, the ending. Yeah, no, fine. I I, it's one of those. It's one of those films that will polarize people in terms of the ending. It's a beautiful film. Don't get me wrong, and I really enjoyed it, and it's definitely worth an Oscar nomination. But I agree with what Gareth is saying in terms of its self awareness and certain elements of it not really landing. You know, sticking the landing. I don't disagree with the fact that it is very self aware, but I think that that is very different to I think what you two feel. But but then, what do you what do you think is going to win out of this? Hmm. The set nominations. So I think um, it's a such a tough year. I mean, like 
It's tough so, because it's incredible. The talent I think is amazing. Yeah, amazing. I, I think the diversity in the category is amazing as well. Not just in terms of, you know, if we talk about what the film is about, but also about uh, the genre of film that it is. Mm-hmm. Like to even have something like Get Out mentioned in the nominations for Best Picture is absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, mainly because it's a horror film, <laughs> which I love. I absolutely love horror films. And to have something like that just in the nominations is incredible. Um, uh, I would say that for me, I love The Shape of Water. If I told you about her, the princess without voice, what would I say? This may very well be the most sensitive asset ever to be housed in this facility. You may think that thing looks human. Stands on two legs, right? But we're created in the Lord's image. You don't think that's what the Lord looks like, do you? This creature is intelligent, capable of language, of understanding emotions. When he looks at me, he doesn't know how I am incomplete. He sees me as I am. I absolutely love it. Um, It was a beautiful creature romance film, which is a weird sort of category to sort of put something in. Description for that. Um, But just, just Guillermo del Toro, who I absolutely love, is an amazing director and. He is amazing at creating uh, creatures and sort of personality for otherworldly beings. And this film suited him to the ground. It created a romance uh, between uh, the two central characters, one of which is a merman. And that's no spoiler if you watch the trailers. Um, And just the way it was directed, the soundtrack, everything about it was absolutely beautiful. Um, I came out of the cinema... Uh, with a massive smile. It reminds me of the way I felt about La La Land last year. Um, mm-hmm. Last year when I came out of the cinema, also extremely happy. You know, I saw Manchester by the Sea last year at the same time and I, I love that film. Like, I absolutely love Manchester by the Sea. Boo, Casey Affleck. No, but it is a depressing film. Um, you, don't, you, don't come out the cin- you don't come out the cinema thinking, wow... That was a good, fun time. Whereas La La Land, you did. And Shape of Water, you come out of the cinema also with that lovely feeling, which is a nice way to come out of the cinema. So for me, just based on feeling alone and the way that it was shot, the the special effects, everything about it, uh, I'd give it to Shape of Water. This is the thing, right? Like, this is, this is what gets me with the Oscars. Like, it isn't about that. And, but why? Like, the category is best picture. Like... Why does it have to be? And I'm, I'm, maybe it sounds like I'm having to go at three billboards, and I'm not. I really, really like the film. It's, it's, it's a great film. But why does it have to be like a pretentious kind of? It always has to be something that's a bit arty in some way. I completely agree with you, Gareth, and I think the same about a lot of performances. Like there's a, like films like Bridesmaids that will, that are just amazing for what they are, and they will never get nominated. However, I do think, touching on what Len said, the inclusion of Get Out marks a kind of change because that's the sort of film that everybody saw and thought was amazing performances are good it's just an amazing concept for a film and it is nominated and I'm hoping that this marks like a sea change for the nominations for the the, uh, Academy Awards I think this year really marks a change in itself in terms of the Oscar nomination so the Academy Academy Awards have taken on 
Um, more Best Picture nominations than they ever have before. A, more, a wider variety of films, yeah. lead actors, and, and all of the nominations this year are really varied. And, and for me, that in itself just makes it a unique year. And I found it very difficult to decide what I thought was either worthy um, or deserving of Best Picture to narrow it down to one film. And I think on the face of it, the fact that something like Get Out, which has a black protagonist and it's a horror movie, both of those things are really unusual when it comes to Academy Award nominations. Call Me By Your Name is one of the most beautiful films I have ever seen. And actually, for that to be nominated, given its subject matter, which could be taken in a number of different ways, is spectacular and a real step forward. But I have to say I agree with Len. Um, for me, Best Picture, which is is a combination of acting, storyline, cinematography, score, and, and, and everything else that comes kind of in between. The Shape of Water was a science fiction, fantasy, romance, Soviet spy, thriller, yep. vintage masterpiece. And Guillermo del Toro... Like, absolutely stunning. So for me, that has to be the flyaway best picture of the year. I loved it, Len, when you said uh, you came out, you watched that film, it was beautiful, and you came out of the cinema with the biggest smile. I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to say that you, you touched on something very important there. The best picture oh. does encapsulate all of the categories rolled into what it doesn't have to be phenomenal in any of them but, but, it, it, but it some of its parts be, has to be amazing yeah it has to surpass everything else across the, the categories and i think that the, for me the shape of water does that um guillermo del toro does an amazing job directorially yeah. the cinematography is stunning you know the the acting is on point however whoa this is this will be a spoiler-free zone. I felt Michael Shannon, the villain, was very over-the-top, very cartoonish. Yes. I didn't understand fully his motivation, and I that actually lessened the effect of the film for me. I think, I don't know if anyone will agree with me, you could have removed him from that film, and the end result would have been the same. I utterly, the utterly obstacles that the main protagonist faced were there without, with or without him. And I actually thought he, he was quite so, distracting. So so for me, the Michael Shannon's character encapsulates the, the traditional film noir villain. And there is a part of it, a part of that kind of characterization that is almost, not slapstick, but... It was caricature. Yeah, but, but caric- caricature because everything else is so grey and depressing and awful and you get that kind of over-the-top villain and do you know what I thought that made it spectacular I did feel that it distracted and I I felt that it was very on the nose the whole man is the real monster it 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 didn't work for me I thought the film was beautiful and I really there were moments again no spoilers but if you're aware of the film you know it's a love story between a, a mute woman and a sea being Sea being. And I think that's a lovely way to describe him. Sea <laughs> being. You make it sound like a fucking sea monkey. Sea <laughs> being. It sounds like a politically, it's like a politically correct way of saying merman. Gender neutral sea being. You're still allowed to call them merman. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Uh... He's not a merman. He's like a man, sea man. Fishman. <laughs> oh, that's what. Fishman. But there were moments where you think, oh, is this, <laughs> is this gonna move into something that I don't want to see? And I, by the end, I was like, you know what? When a 
Sea being loves a woman. When a sea being loves a mute woman. I feel like we should mention the other Best Picture nominations because actually this year of the nine films nominated, there are some really spectacular movies uh, coming to the fore. So um, I'm going to group these by category in a way. And first of all, uh, we're going to cover two political and war-focused films, Darkest Hour and Dunkirk. We are looking at the collapse of Western Europe in the next few days. You ask what is our aim? Victory at all costs! All our forces are now in Dunkirk, where we cannot reach them. They're pushing us into the sea. There is a question of peace talks between ourselves and Germany. Europe is still... Europe is lost. The call went out. We have to go to Dunkirk. Ready on the stern line. What are you doing? You know where we're going. Into war, George. I'll be useful, sir. One of ours. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall never surrender. We shall never surrender. We shall never surrender. Ah, uh, what films? So I saw Dunkirk last year, and it absolutely blew me away oh, it's phenomenal I cried through the majority of that film I thought the the the, the sound design the oh sound design God. the cinematography but the, the actually for me at the heart of it it wasn't Tom Hardy it was the Gillian Murphy it, no it wasn't it was the beautiful story of the humanity oh shut up Lucy <laughs> But for me, it, it, it's about the humanity and the, the day-to-day heroes, not the war heroes. The people who just got up and went and used what they had to to save people and to, to be a part of the effort. And the way that that was put together in Dunkirk was absolutely spectacular. And I it, it just blew my mind. And I think we'll come on to it later when we come to the best directing category, which I'm a big advocate of Christopher Nolan and have been for many years. Um, the way he puts together films in relation to time um, is exceptional and the way he plays with narrative. Um, and Dunkirk, like you said, was for a British person, if anyone's listening to this, who's not British or... I'm just, get you know, out of get it. Out of, no, but I just mean, it, like, it's a weird... It's a weird war event that a lot of people weren't necessarily aware of. It's amazing that he got this big budget to tell the story of this amazing evacuation of Dunkirk, um, which essentially shaped the Second World War, because without rescuing those 300,000-ish men, um, the Second World War would have gone a lot differently, even with America's help. Um, That story also shapes not just the war, but... Britain. Yes, it was a triumph of uh, triumph of survival nature, and but it, it was because, like you said, Em, of regular people going out. The largest fleet, civilian fleet ever formed in the history of seafaring. And Harry Styles was a fucking hero. Yeah, <laughs> absolute hero. It was snatching triumph from the jaws of disaster, which I think we can all agree is a very British trait. Have any of you guys seen The Darkest Hour? This is this is what I've heard, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I've heard that it's pretty good, right? So a phenomenal acting performance from Gary Oldman, um, but that it might be a little bit cheesy, 
Whereas Dunkirk is so kind of gritty and realistic, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, and it feels it feels a lot more British, I guess, than a lot of films can. And I, I've heard, because I haven't seen it, that Darkest Hour does kind of occasionally go down the route of a bit of over-the-top, like, celebration. And I believe there's a scene on the underground that is a bit kind of... Mm, and people have been critical of that. But I've also heard that it would make an excellent double bill with Dunkirk because, you know, it's sort of the two two sides of the that story, I guess. So I think it's um it's an interesting point to make because if you are not obviously not British, but if you haven't been brought up knowing certain facts about that period of time, I think from what I've heard, and I haven't seen Darkest Hour, but I, I'm really looking forward to it because I hear Gary Oldman's Oscar nominated lead actor performance is uh, spectacular um but i think it would be very easy to take a lot of what's put on screen in darkest hour as gospel and i mean gareth you mentioned there the the scene with the the, the underground not a thing as far as anybody is aware um yeah and but i mean i mean then you've seen darkest hour have you not i've seen it i loved so, it so what did really i absolutely loved it do you think Gary Oldman, I mean, I, I don't doubt it, knowing his, his capabilities, but do you think he deserves Best Actor yeah, I mean, we'll come, for that film? We'll come on to that later. And after seeing that film, I mean, <clears throat> after seeing that film, there is no way that man cannot win that Oscar. Um, he is, the acting in that film is out of this world. The film itself is very good. And as I said, back to Dunkirk, if you're a British person... Hearing Winston Churchill, you know, delivering that speech in the Houses of Parliament is always hairs on the back of your neck. It's an amazing, an amazing thing. And yes, Gareth, you are right. It is massively over-dramatised. Um, depending on what frame of mind you're in when you watch it, um, I was slightly pissed. I have to say... You went to see that piss? Had a couple of drinks. I, I went to see it. I had to say, tear in the eye. Um... Yes, there are scenes in it, you know, spoilers that are very over-dramatised, but I recommend everyone see it because it's very good. And it's in, and it gives a good insight into Winston Churchill, one that you might not necessarily have seen before, um, played excellently by Gary Oldman. Let's move along. Um, so we've talked about war. Let's talk a bit more about politics and newspapers. Uh, another one of our Best Picture nominations is The Post. This is a devastating security breach that was leaked out of the Pentagon. The most highly classified documents of the war. The Times says 7,000 pages detailing how the White House has been lying about the Vietnam War for 30 years. I loved this film. Um, I did feel like there was about half an hour in the middle that needed to be cut out. And it's very much a film made for... An Oscar nomination. It's got two real heavyweight players in it, so we're starring Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. But it covers a fascinating uh, story, a real life story, uh, set in seventies seventies America, uh, with the Washington Post. Uh, it, it encompasses a lot of different uh, themes. So there is, you know, coming along from what we said about Darkest Hour and Dunkirk, there is a theme of war with Vietnam, uh, government secrets, female power. Um, female kind of pushing down of power 
there's also some really nice stuff about the logistics of the press. Um, out of the rest of us here, who else has seen the post and has an opinion? At this point, I'm going to cut to a message sent from John McCann. From heaven. Early, from heaven. He's very poorly, very poorly okay, sick. Okay, sorry, if he was dead, he'd never be in heaven. No, he wouldn't. Purgatory minimum. Purga- yeah, purgatory least. at the minimum, at yes, least. agreed. But he has sent a, uh, a message to us about the post, and this is it. Um, so the post, uh, I, uh, speechless, to be honest. Um, watching this film, and again, uh, without any spoilers, um, although uh, I'm telling you now, it is terrible. Uh, I, I just can't believe how a film with Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, um, and, and Steven Spielberg is so dull. And bearing in mind that Tom Hanks, I think Tom Hanks and Spielberg uh, did The Terminal. Obviously, Tom Hanks definitely did. Um, I'm pretty pretty sure The Terminal um, was Spielberg. Um, to make a film about a man knocking about in an airport as good as it was, and that is a quality film, um, to then this, it's just like, what the hell? Like, it's just so uninteresting. They took the two hours of this film, turned that into 20 minutes, make that the beginning of the film, and then the rest of the film is about Watergate. You've got a good film, I think. But this is terrible. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, Sorry, Tom. Sorry, Spielberg. Piss poor. Piss poor. Don't see it. Now, I'm going to read out this review from uh, Dave89791. So, good on you, Dave. He went... um, uh, maybe I'll do an impression for uh, for Dave. Perhaps a bit harsh in my score, but the film, while clearly well produced, directed and acted, just wasn't very interesting slash emotionally affecting. Now, Dave's... Uh, I mean, that, that's that's fair. He's given it 0 out of 10. Now, I, I, I can't believe how kind of polite Dave is. Good on you, mate. Um... Zero out of ten. Uh, how funny is that? Cheers, John. <laughs> Never change, friend. Never change. Uh, but let's move on to some of the other uh, films in Best Picture before we start talking about the other nominations, uh, category nominations. So Phantom Thread is something that very few of us have seen. I feel as if I've been looking for you for a very long time. You look beautiful. Very beautiful. I have things I want to do. I simply cannot do without you. Reynolds has made my dreams come true, and I have given him what he desires most in return. (laughs) Every piece of me. I'm sure John has some opinions from his deathbed, but Len, I think you were the other viewee yeah allegedly daniel day lewis's last film again yeah that's mental i mean he's an amazing phenomenal actor um even in this film which i found incredibly dull i have to say for myself for myself it it's just not my sort of film not to say that it, it, the film is the premise of the film is about a dressmaker uh, in england and it's nothing to do with the fact that it's a film about a dressmaker in england sure. it was just very slow laborious um not my kind of pacing for that sort of film um but daniel day lewis in that role is incredible. 
he's when you watch him on screen, you there is just such a presence there mm. that you watch him and you're like, this guy. It just doesn't matter what role he's, not he's playing. He's an actor, is he? He becomes the character. He becomes. He really the, does. I believe that he was this person. Mad. He like, very much absorbs himself in a role. He's very method, isn't he? Yeah, Have you he seen was There Will Be Blood? Well, it's is one of my... It? It's in my top three films, Lucy. Is, because it, I love it. Okay. It's the it. um, same director, isn't it? And same actor. So yeah. I was wondering whether... Because that's quite... In some ways, I saw it in the cinema when I was at uni and I think I was expecting something completely different. Yeah. And then I watched it like 10 years later and I... Loved it again. And Daniel Day-Lewis, I mean, it was quite a, um, just on the topic of Daniel Day-Lewis, Gangs of New York's quite maligned, but in that film, I honestly I, think he's unreal. I would watch any film that he's in. I haven't uh, got round to Phantom Thread, and I, I imagine it look, It sounds dull. It's dull. But he's worth a watch in anything, apart from Lincoln, which I thought was shit. The thing with him is that, like, he always looks different, doesn't he? Like, and I reckon that's, that's part of what you're talking about. Like, he becomes these characters. He looks different in every movie. But I think that there is one film uh, which is nominated for Best Picture that we, we touched on earlier that a few of us have talked really highly about over the last couple of months, and that's Get Out. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how are you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see no brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Okay. Get out! Yo! And, and Lucy, you taught like it was one of the best things that you've ever seen about this in our kind of 2017 okay, wrap-up well, don't, podcast. Don't, don't hype me up too much. But... but I want to know why you think it deserves to be nominated for Best Picture. Okay, well, as regular listeners will know, that was my choice for film of the year in our end of 2017 roundup. I just think... I haven't seen anything like it before. And we, like Gareth mentioned earlier, you, you're watching the Academy films, as in the films that are nominated for Best Picture, and they're all much of a muchness. Really, they're worthy or they're gritty, or there might be some kind of oddball one in there. But there's not, never been anything like Get Out nominated, and I don't think there ever will be again. A thriller where really the horror, the, the villain is racism. But it, it doesn't even take itself too seriously. And honestly, Daniel Kaluuya, I'm sure we're going to come on to the Best Actor nominees, but his, yeah. he is such a good actor, it can't be overstated too much. Other than in Black Panther. Okay, well, well listen to Black, our Black Panther podcast for more on his performance in that. But he in this film, I found his performance very moving for a film that's predominantly horror and has comedy elements. I watched it again recently because I saw it in the cinema when it um, first came out. It's just, it subverts the genre in a way that I honestly have never seen. And I am so happy that it's nominated. It deserves it deserves it because I, I'm tired of the only films being nominated being either films where someone attractive dons prosthetics to not be attractive or, you know, it's about some kind of event where the journalists have uncovered it. I'm happy that it's a film that is truly innovative and... It won't win. I don't think it will win anything, but the fact that it's nominated means the world. And I, I kind of feel the same way about Call Me By Your Name, which Lucy and I went to see together a couple of weeks ago. On Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day, yep. She was my date. <laughs> Nature has cunning ways of finding our weakest spot.
for me, the fact that Call Me By Your Name is nominated is also similarly spectacular because on the face of it, it's very much an Oscar-made film. The cinematography is stunning. Mm. The score is beautiful. Everything is just really gorgeous in the whole film. But the subject matter is something that is very rarely celebrated in mainstream. I don't. Cinema. I don't agree. No, I do. I mean, it's a it's it is a love story between a man in his late twenties and a boy of seventeen. First of all, the name of that movie. I haven't seen it. The name of the movie annoys the crap out of me. Call me by your name. Shut up. Like, you don't call know what a, that's about. Call yourself a real name. Um, the subject matter is very important. I don't disagree with that, and it's it's excellent that that's being nominated. But I reckon there's a, there's a history of the Oscars doing this sort of thing. Like they don't they don't shy away from. Um, I don't disagree that it is uh, a thing that is done by the Oscars to recognise a film that covers a non traditional genre um, or a non popular genre within. Chauvinistic society, um, but what I think is really fantastic this year is that of the nine best picture nominations, half of them are really controversial subject matter. If you think about it, it's not just one or two; it's four or five of these nominations cover things that are not traditionally praised. Actually, I think the thing with Call Me by It, like I understand what you're saying, Gareth and Len, in that. We've had Brokeback Mountain. We've had Just Moonlight in like in recent years. Yeah. So it's not that stories about homosexual love are taboo and are not told. But the way this is told is completely different to those. And I'm not going to give any spoilers away. But it's it is a completely different film. And I I obviously I didn't say that this isn't a topic that is told. But the way it is told, and I have to say the performances really lift it above many of the other films that we've mentioned and like Moonlight was one of my favourite films of last year but Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet the actors in it I I don't think they'll ever match these performances and it's something that I think everyone should watch it not everyone will be comfortable with the subject matter but the way it is told is so beautiful it is my favourite film of the Oscar films I've seen this year so I guess um that's that's fair enough uh Lucy like like you said we we haven't we haven't seen it, so I can't comment on how it tells the story. Um, all I'm saying is that I, I don't think it's unusual for the Oscars to have something that is like a controversial subject matter. Like, that's, that's no, not I, unusual. I, I agree. I, I, think, I, mean, yeah. I think that one of the only other nominations that we haven't talked about, and Len, you may be the only one of us that has actually got off your ass and watched this film, is Ladybird. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like How New in the York. World did I raise such or at least snow. Connecticut or New Hampshire, no, where writers live in the get woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail and then back to City College and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. Ladybird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Ladybird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. Tell us why you think it deserves or doesn't its Best Picture nomination this year. It definitely deserves a nomination. 100% deserves a nomination. This is a fun and yet dark and slightly... You know, it's a teenager growing up in Sacramento, venting. She's a very creative individual, venting her frustrations at her family, at her school life. 
uh, played beautifully um, by Sasha Ronan. Sasha Ronan. Sasha like an Sasha. Sasha Ronan. And yeah, like I went into this film actually genuinely excited to see it. She is a very obviously smart girl in this film and she wants to go to college in these amazing places but her family are quite like not very financially you know secure so she necessarily can't go to these places and she's trying to escape her hometown she's trying to break away from the rules of her hometown she goes to a catholic school but remember no spoilers this is no spoiler. This is the plot. This is, this is the general plot. I mean... It's the whole plot. No, but it's a very it's basic... Anyway. It's a basic plot. You know, a girl at school wants to rebel against what she's doing. And and she plays it so well. The The supporting cast is great. Uh, it's emotional and funny and just really good. And I have to say, if it wasn't for Shape of Water... This would be my winner for Best Picture. If it wasn't for Shape of Water. Wow. Can I ask? Because it looks... The trailers, it looks a bit dull. Like, it looks a bit nothing. It looks annoying. It, it looks annoying. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a perfect description. It looks annoying. I honestly thought it was very fun. It, didn't ne- it never felt boring. I was always interested in the characters. I was inter- interested in the motivations. I would say watch it and then come back to me and see how you feel about it. I mean... It was a beautiful film, well shot, well directed. The acting was phenomenal, supporting cast phenomenal, mm. um, which is why after I watched it the other night, literally yesterday, I was like, wow, this and Shape of Water for me are just very close. So let's um, let's just round up that discussion, which has been pretty lengthy, uh, by reminding everybody from the ballot that we are running. Yes, the ballot. The ballot, the ballot, the Oscars ballot. The ballot. Uh, our our choices for best picture. I'm going to come to you first, Gareth. Remind us what do you think from these nine nominations is going to win the 90th Academy Award best picture? I am pretty confident in saying that I think three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri is going to win. Lucy, coming to you, your prediction for the winner of best picture at the 90th Academy Awards? I think it will be, and it should be, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Len? Uh, my prediction is Three Billboards out of Ebbing, Missouri is going to win the Best Picture nomination. I thought you were predicting Shape of Water. Well, no, funny, that's what I want to win. Funny you should say that because I do think that the Shape of Water is going to win Best Picture at this year's Academy Awards. And uh, our absent friend, uh, John, worst supporting actor ever, not even able to get out of bed for this podcast. Uh, but your nomination for... Best picture at the Academy Awards is. Part of me really wants The Shape of Water to win Best Picture. Um, I think it's just going to get edged out by free billboards. I'm terribly sorry to have to interrupt your enjoyment of this podcast, but I'd like to say if you are having a good time listening to us talk about the Oscars, we have a number of other very entertaining, uh, fan-filled and critical podcasts for your entertainment. You can follow us on Instagram. We are at fan underscore critical. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter. It's fan critical pod. We're on Facebook um, and you can go to our website, fancritical.com, as well as subscribing to our podcasts on iTunes, the podcast app and every other uh, podcast service available on Apple or Android phones. Uh, do follow us. New content coming every week. And back to the Oscars preview. 
Now that we've talked at length about the Best Picture nominations, I'd like us to run through some of the main categories in the in the name of the ballot and talk about our predictions for winners in each of those. So I'm going to kick us off with the uh, Best Director, Oscar. Nominations in this category are Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread and Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Gareth, I'm going to come to you first. Who do you predict is going to win Best Director at this year's Oscars? Um, all right, so he's not necessarily the bookie's favourite, but, man, he is the best director around. It's got to be Chris. Shit, son, I agree with you. Yeah, boy. I just love him. I, like, I love everything that he's ever done. I don't. I don't think he's had a misstep. Really, he's just brilliant. Um, what a director! Um, I think the best director category is arguably bigger than the best picture category. Um, for me, there's certain times when you watch a film, and you know the director brings all of these things together. They have the vision. They have the foresight to see how all of these moving parts are going to work together. For what you said, Gareth, about someone who probably should win the Oscar for Best Director, if you look at the other nominations in this category, um, I think this is Christopher Nolan's time. Um, If he was ever to win it, it is going to be this year. Unfortunately, I don't think he is going to win it because I think think Guillermo del Toro's uh, Shape of Water direction is excellent. But, and I think it's more of an Oscar... Oscar fodder, like famously Christopher Nolan has created smart, intelligent blockbuster movies that have never got the recognition of the Academy. Um, This time he has got the recognition um, and he is there with Best Picture and a Best Director nomination. Um, If you watch Dunkirk, like I said earlier, with the way that he plays with the narrative, with the way that he plays with time to tell his stories with a high emotional impact, mm. that is amazing direction. He has set out with a narrative there across land, sea and air across three different time periods to orchestrate with Hans Zimmer about the score and the soundtrack to bring unknown actors like Harry Styles and all these other great performances out. He has done an amazing job. Um, and he should win Best Director, I think. However, he won't, but he should. Totally agree with everything that you said there. Um, I think it will be Guillermo del Toro, or Benicio mm. del Toro, as I frequently refer oh, to him. They're completely different. <laughs> I Racist, know. again. Well, concept-wise, execution-wise, I think it will be Guillermo del Toro, and I think it probably should be. I understand the praise of Christopher Nolan. I think what he did with Dunkirk was superlative in terms of blockbuster however i i actually think it's come a bit too soon no i actually think it's what do i what do i think i know what i mean but i don't know (laughs) i think it came too early in the year for these academy awards because i I think the ones that the films that get considered most come out between november and february and this obviously came out in the summer and I just don't, it is not, it's not Oscar fodder. We've, we've mentioned it time and again in this podcast about the films that win Oscars. And I don't think it will, which is a shame. However, I think Shape of Water is something very unique. And should he win Guillermo del Toro, I think it would be very well deserved. I think for me, in terms of the best director category, it's a, you know, there's no 
There's no argument about it. Guillermo del Toro should win because he is the best director of these films in that category. And I genuinely think that of all of them, what he does with Shape of Water is superb. It's beautiful and it's really varied and talented and every part of that film fits together beautifully. I think there has been some debate here about what we feel creates a uh, an Oscar-winning director. And I think we know that the answer is how many members of One Direction can you get to star in it? And Christopher Nolan wins. So I think we can guarantee that this year Gareth Evans is not going to win Best Director because after the raid it all really went kind of downhill. Yeah. Uh, but Gareth is taking Christopher Nolan as his pick for Best Director. Lucy, Len, myself and John, absent in body but not in opinion, uh, are all shouting Guillermo del Toro or William the Bull for I best director. W- but I want Nolan to win. No one cares, Len. So let's move along, everybody. And uh, it's time to talk about uh, the nominations for best actor in a leading role. Okay. This year we have uh, Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name, Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread, Daniel Kaluuya, in Get Out. I love Kaluuya. It's my favourite liqueur. It's Kaluuya. 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 I love Kaluuya too. Uh, Gary Oldman, Darkest Hour. And Denzel Washington in a film I have not seen, Roman J. Israel, Esquire. I, th- I think no one has seen that film. Out of us, I have to say right now, I, I, Pretty I certain. doubt it. So, Len, I'm going to come to you first. Yeah. Your prediction for the winner of Best Actor in a Leading Role this year at the Academy Awards. So... Although that I think that Kaluuya's performance in Get Out is phenomenal, and I, and I love horror films, I love psychological horror, I love all of that genre more than life itself. So I would love that to win. But uh, after watching The Darkest Hour, there is no way that you cannot give Gary Oldman that Oscar. There is no way. I mean... I want you guys to watch it and just see how good he is. As you said, Gareth, the film can be over dramatic at times. Um, it has a lot of sort of silly scenes, which are very patriotic. But his performance is just something that I haven't seen for a long time. Um, just the makeup and everything that's involved to get him into that character apparently took a long time. And also just the way that he gives a different side to Winston Churchill that we maybe haven't seen before. I've got really to interject good. here and just say that I've looked at Len's notes here and under Best Actor, he's written Gary Old Man. <laughs> Gary Old <laughs> yeah. Man. Uh, Gareth, who would you predict to win Best Actor in a leading role this year? There is, there, there's absolutely no doubt that the winner is going to be Gary Oldman. Um, I, was, I was checking the odds on this the other day. I think he's like 40 to 1 on so in other words you put forty dollars forty dollars um or pounds on um depending on where you're listening so that's all good uh forty pounds on to get one dollar back like plus your original forty so you're still making some money but that's that's how intensely the favorite he is there's also the the rule have you heard the rule um if you are if you play like a historical figure that brian cox the scottish actor not the um not the the awesome scientist astronomer guy, um, but the the Scottish actor. If you play a historical figure that he has played, you'll win the Oscar. Really, and he's played Churchill. That's very yeah. interesting. That's interesting. Um, I like that. And he played Hannibal Lecter as well. Did he? So, want to give a little shout out to Daniel Kaluuya. He's unreal in Get Out, and also Timothy Chalamet. He was he brought an intensity and a youthful exuberance 
to his role of Elio in Call Me By Your Name. Elio, that, Elio. Oh, it was just such a beautiful film. And he really, he really was unreal in that film. And I Elio. foresee such a bright future for him, but I think it will be Oldman. Can I please just do a little trivia with everyone? Depends what it is. It's Go just about it, actors. So Timothy Chalamet was in Call Me By Your Name, as we've just discussed. He was also in Lady Bird. Michael Stuhlberg, Stuhlberg, I think that's how you say yeah. it. He was in Shape of Water. He was Bob slash Dimitri, the doctor, yeah. the kindly doctor. He's also in Call Me By Your Name as Elio's sympathetic <gasps> yes. father. And also, I have more of these people. There is just some weird trend going on with these Oscar films in that... It does happen, though, that but you I think get this there bleeding are actors that are actors. just in everything. So also, another one is... Caleb Landry Jones, who is in Get Out as Jeremy, the weird brother. Yeah, and he's also in Three Billboards as, I think his name's Welby, the, yeah, uh, advertising, yeah, the guy. advertising guy. And last but not least, and listeners, if you can think of anyone else that has been in one or more of the films that we are discussing today that have been nominated for Best Picture, an actor called Lucas Hedges, who was, I think his name is Robbie in Three Billboards, the son of yes, Francis McDormand. Yes. He's also in Lady Bird. Yeah, he is. Well, he, plays, he plays Danny. My prediction for best actor in a leading role is a little bit out there. I think that Daniel Kaluuya is going to win it. Well, you're wrong. Uh, well, <laughs> no one knows if I'm wrong yet because you can't see into the future, Gary. Uh, so on a similar similar theme, let's go to the best actress in a leading role. Our nominations this year are Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water, Frances McDormand in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Margot Robbie in I, Tonya, Shersha Ronan, Lady Bird, and Meryl Streep, The Post. Um, Gareth, I'm going to come to you first for two reasons. One, we haven't discussed it, um, but I know you might have some opinions around I, Tonya as a film, which I'm really keen to see. So, so why do you think that Margot Robbie might deserve to be nominated for Best Actress for this particular role? Because um, she's phenomenal. Like, she actually... She's just so good, isn't she? Every single role that she has taken on, she just does it with so, I don't know, like, yeah, there's that, Len, absolutely. But also, so much, like, energy. She's just got so much energy to everything. And you would have absolutely no idea that she was not from Oregon. She's Australian. She's from Brisbane or, like, from Queensland. And she... Yeah. Guys, what I'd like to say is she lives down the road from us in Clapham. What? She lives in Clapham. She doesn't live. Well, she used to. She used to live in Clapham. So she used to go to a famous club here in England in Clapham, London, called Inferno. No. Which yes. is an absolute yes. shithole. Yes. So, Gareth, do you think she's going to win this category or do you have a better prediction? No, I don't think she's going to win it. Um, not because in isolation she doesn't deserve it because it's fucking brilliant. And I would say watch, watch the film. You'll love it. It's a lot of fun. But... Uh, Frances McDormand, unreal. Like, unreal. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah no, I totally agree. There's, there's, like I said earlier, I, unfortunately, I'm incapable of crying. I would love to sometimes. There's a bit in Three Billboards where it's so simple. She's, she's trying to grab a fire extinguisher from Robbie, from, from her son. And she, she just, like, she, like, just sort of says, Robbie! And I was like, oh, I don't know why. She just made me want to cry at that moment. I was like, that's 
heartbreaking. I think Frances McDormand is an absolute powerhouse in Three Billboards. Um, however, I have a feeling that Meryl Streep is going to win Best Actress for The Post. Fuck oh. off. Not again. I mean, you've never seen one of my favourite films of all time. Mamma Mia. Death Becomes... <laughs> no. <laughs> Death Becomes Her. Yeah, also, also a good film. Len, um, Len, what is your nomination or prediction for Best Actress? So if we're going around the nominations uh, after that brief discussion, I'm going to go with uh, Frances McDormand is going to win the Best Actress nomination. I would love it to go to Sally Hawkins mm-hmm. um, because I think her performance in The Shape of Water is excellent. Um, but I would say that judging from the Oscars and the way they are, I see Francis McDormand's performance, which was brilliant as well, getting it. Um, Lucy, what about you? I agree. I think it's a bit of a full house on this one. I think it will be Frances McDormand. I loved her performance because... I think it could have gone down, again, the the route of caricature of just being the hard ass and the woman that just takes no prisoners. But there's a moment with Woody Harrelson, I think we'll all remember, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, where she just changes. And um, I think her line is, it's okay, baby. And it's just the way that she's actually quite soft in many ways. And you imagine that had life not taken taken her the route that it did, she'd be a completely different person. I actually found it very moving and very real and I think she should win and she will win Best Actor in a Supporting Role has two nominations from that film Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell and the other Supporting Actor nominations are Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water and Christopher Plummer in All the Money in the World Mm, That's an interesting nomination It is a very interesting nomination That's an interesting Um, nomination Len, talk about why well, famously, this is what, and this is a very interesting situation because famously, obviously, Kevin Spacey was originally filmed in that role as the Getty, uh, you know, millionaire. Um, and after all of the sexual uh, assault allegations that came out, he was. I mean, Ridley Scott, it's Ridley Scott, opted to refilm all of those scenes uh, for the film, which was, I imagine was quite an expensive task to do with a completely new actor. Um, I have not seen the film personally. I really wanted to see it because I wanted to see the editing. I wanted to see how it still pieced together. I wanted to see how it worked out. Apparently, it still worked out very well because he's got a nomination as best supporting actor but maybe that's just because of the the way in which he stepped into a very difficult situation to try and piece together a film that was in tatters after such allegations um but fascinating fascinating in light of that Lem, who do you think is going to win best supporting actor this year uh for me best supporting actor has to go to sam rockwell um you know, I love Woody How as I said, I love Woody Harrison's performance in that three billboards film. But Sam Rockwell, ever since I saw him in Moon. Oh, um, so good. I've always thought this guy is a phenomenal actor. I really like him. And I I loved Moon. I absolutely loved mm. it. Um Powerhouse of a film. Yeah, and his performance in that is amazing. I think his performance in that is actually better than this. Mm-hmm. But he can win in this category. He can win in this category. From what I've seen, I would give it to him. 
I'd give it to him because in, in Free Billboards, Yay. he portrays a character that really goes through some some serious growth. Um, and you despi- Jamie Lannister. You despise him at points. At the start of the film, you despise him. You despise him. You despise the man. But by the end of it, you kind of root for him a little bit. That's not a spoiler. That's just to say that he has some serious character growth. Uh, Lucy, what about you? Best actor in a supporting role? Talk um, to me. I thought... I found Sam Rockwell's performance and the journey that his character goes on very moving, very unexpectedly moving. Again, not a spoiler. But I just want to give a little shout out to Richard Jenkins because I literally loved him in The Shape of Water. And I've seen him, I, I remember him from Step Brothers mostly. <laughs> but Great film. I, I never knew the actor's name. And then I was looking it up earlier and I saw it and I thought, I absolutely loved him in that film. I think Sam Rockwell will win and should win, but I did want to just give a little um, shout out to Richard Jenkins. Can I just also say about Sam Rockwell, I've heard a lot of backlash against his performance because certain people are saying, I mean, we may have to cut this because of spoilers. I'm not going to say anything spoilery, but people saying that the sort of character that he portrays isn't worthy of any kind of admiration or sympathy. And I, I disagree with that. I think that... He plays a character that is broken and that maybe sees the errors of his ways yeah. in some respect. And I... I don't think that he deserves criticism. And I think sympathy for him is warranted. I think that's a real shame because the nominations uh, here are for acting, not for character. And actually to agree. play a character that could be so easily abhorred by an audience probably lends itself more so to a challenge in acting and therefore Definitely. it should be recognised. To find sympathy in, it, in such Completely. a character. Or to be able to incite sympathy in an audience playing a character yeah, like that is... is that could be so reviled and so that you still feel something for him regardless is actually, it shows the, the skill of the actor and I, I think it's unwarranted. Gareth, what about you? Uh, I have to echo um, Alex and Lucy's thoughts. I, the more I think about it, Three Billboards, actually, the more I, I feel like my... It wasn't really a criticism, but like I'm just like, it, it really is a great film. Um, and Because cause you, think, you think about the characters and, and yeah, the growth that they, they all go through. And it's so... Like, often you have kind of these... You'll have movies that try to manufacture growth in a character and there's development kind of chucked in because it just doesn't feel natural but this is it all of it makes sense and the the journey that they go on makes perfect sense and Sam Rock, Sam Rockwell's character is um arguably the best example of that um I, it's baffling to hear that people reckon you can't have sympathy for this character because he's like the whole point is, like, that he's he's got this tough background, and it's not to excuse him being a dick. Like he is a dick, but he can still there's still redemption for him. Like it's not like people are beyond saving, and he he comes to some sort of peace, doesn't he? he, he and his heart is actually in the right place, and it takes ages to get there. For me, I mean, Francis McDormand, amazing, but Sam Rockwell was the flyaway performance in that me and I, I echo everybody else's opinions and I think he should definitely win best supporting actor so that's let's just say that it's uh, Gareth, Gareth for Sam Rockwell Lucy for Sam Rockwell me for Sam Rockwell M for Sam Rockwell and John for Sam Rockwell so that is a full sweep of us thinking that full Sam Rockwell Crystal House. is gonna win best supporting actor 
So let's move us along to Best Supporting Actress, shall we? Nominations this year are Mary J. Blige in Mudbound, Alison Janey in I, Tonya, Leslie Manville, Phantom Thread, Laurie Metcalf, Lady Bird, and Octavia Spencer in The Shape of Water. Um, I'm going to kick this off with uh, a prediction for Laurie Metcalf and Lady Bird. I've not seen it, but from what I have seen in the reviews I've read, I think yeah. she's well-deserving of that Oscar. She is phenomenal in that film. And in pretty much everything that she does. Uh, you know, she's going to be my pick. I mean, in that film, as I said, there's a very strained relationship that's going on in that film uh, that centres around Lady Bird and her mother. Um, and wow. What a performance. Um, I can't wait to see it. Honestly, the, the centre of the film, the heart of the film, is the dynamic between uh, mother and daughter. Um, everything else that goes on around it is sort of this struggle between the two of them. It's sort of Lady Bird acting out against this paternal struggle that's going on. And um, she's phenomenal in just her, especially towards the end of the film, which I don't want to spoil, but it really comes to an emotional sort of focal point. Gareth, what about you? Who do you who do you back for best supporting actress? I'm pretty limited in this category, unfortunately, because I haven't seen all of the uh, or many of the films that have a nomination. But um, I can say that Alison, are we going with Jenny? Is um, is is really good in Itania, Um and plays. Like she's she's a she's like a pretty sophisticated, um, attractive older lady, Alison Janney. But the character that she plays is is anything but. Um, but she's very cool, very very good performance. Lucy, what about you? Um, similarly to Gareth, um, I've only actually seen Octavia Spencer in The Shape of Water. She's the only one I can really comment on. However, I've heard a lot about Alison Janney and I reckon she's going to win. And John's vote for Best Supporting Actress was also Alison Janney. Um, so three for two. Janney versus... Yeah, so that's uh, John, J-Mac for Janney, Lucy for Janney... Gaz for Janny. Gaz for Janny. I'm going to go uh, on uh, Laurie Metcalf and M is going for... Laurie Metcalf. Laurie Metcalf. So it's a very tight one, that one. I think that's a tight category. I do think I that's think it's a tight... difficult. I think that's... Compared to supporting actor, I think that's a very tough category mm. to, to judge this year. Cinematography. So this year our nominations are Roger A. Deakins for Blade Runner 2049. Bruno Del Bono for Darkest Hour. Hoyt van Hoytimmer. Hoyt. <laughs> for Dunkirk. Rachel Morrison for Mudbound. And Dan Lostson for The Shape of Water. Gareth, I'm going to come to you first. Cinematography. Predict it. Um, this shouldn't be a surprise because it's also my favourite film of last year. Blade Runner 2049. You can take, you can take any moment from that film and turn it into a poster, and it would make a brilliant poster. Like, the the environment is just phenomenal. It's so beautiful, and it's it's something that, I guess, the, you know, the original Blade Runner has kind of inspired so much um, in terms of, like, visions of the future, and, uh, and it, it, it's picked up from that, and just obviously with the benefits of improved technology and... I'm going to completely agree with you because my boy, Roger Deakins, 
nominated for the 14th time at the Academy Awards, never to win. This is the 14th Shit, nomination son. that he has received. I'm going to read you some films that he's been nominated for at the Oscars and never won. This is his year, I'm certain of it, but this is the nominate. These are the films that the boy has been amazing at creating amazing visual imagery that we've been feasting on for years, and he has not won an Oscar. Okay. Hisses. The Shawshank Redemption. <gasps> Fargo. <gasps> Kundun. Oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah. The man who wasn't there. Yeah. The assassination of Jesse James. Shit. No Country for Old Men. Good. The Reader. True Grit. Skyfall. Prisoners, Unbroken, Sicario, and now Blade Runner 2049. The man has presided over some absolute cinematic classics. One. What do you mean, one? Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> well, what, oh, so you Lucy. think films like True Wait, Grit, Lucy, The Reader, The Reader, which won Best Picture. I mean, let's not get into Best Pictures and what yeah. wins and what doesn't. No country for wins. He's an amazing director of photography who has created things that we've not seen before. Especially in Blade Runner 2049. I mean, to I take remember, I fell asleep. to take the aesthetic that obviously was created ages ago by Ridley Scott um, and take it into the 21st century in terms of cinema, not in terms of where it's set. And Thanks for cre- clarification. Create, create this amazing visual experience. Like, I know, Gaz, you said it's your favourite film of last year. It's one of my favourite films of last year. Visually, I think it's the most stunning film that I've ever seen, ever. I don't think I've seen a film like it in my life. Um, And for some of the scenes in that film, no spoilers, but there is a sex scene, which is honestly one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in terms of visual experience. I don't remember the sex scene. It's absolutely amazing. I've got two comments about uh, everything you guys just talked about. Firstly, 2049 is in the 21st century, so... Yeah, so Len can't count. Secondly, I kind of get the feeling that for a 14th nomination, he's probably never going to win. That's mental. If he doesn't win this year, that is the most mental thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, I'm torn, if I'm honest, uh, between Dunkirk and The Shape of Water for cinematography. Do you know how much work went into Blade Runner? Doesn't mean that I think that's what should win. I'm saying I think it will be Shape of Water. Yeah, Uh, if Shape of Water wins. I'm with Lucy on this. I'm totally with Lucy. Cinematography in The Shape of Water created such a an image of such an otherworldly experience. It's Blade Blade Runner. The cinematography in Blade Runner. It would be an outrage if that doesn't. Absolute outrage, mate. Absolute doesn't mean it outrage. won't happen because we've well, all been witness to outrages in the Oscars. Luckily, um, and from his sick bed, John is also voting Blade Runner 2049 to win the Best Cinematography Oscar. So let's talk about Best Animated Feature Film. The current nominations for the 90th Academy Awards are The Boss Baby, The Breadwinner, Coco, Ferdinand and Loving Vincent. Has anybody in this podcast group seen any of these animated films? I have seen two of them. Lucy, tell us how you feel. Okay, um, so I watched The Boss Baby. Um, Didn't think it was very good. So I'm surprised that it's nominated, (laughs) to be honest. Um, Judging from the trailers of Boss Baby, which looked fucking dreadful... How the hell has it been nominated? Now, you're not the first person to say that it was... Like, you didn't say it was awful or anything. I wasn't able to give an opinion before you jumped in. Right, but but I just mean... Someone came along the other day and said to me, who I respect their judgment on films, said Boss Baby is a good animated film. No, it's not. So I'm going to say... 
I I'm actually going to interrupt all of you. So Gareth, I named you best animation because you are the man that loves the animation. Yeah. Um, your one of your most anticipated films of this year is Isle of Dogs. Yep. So um, I've, I've got to be honest, I've only seen Coco. However, Lucy's absolutely right. Like, there's no doubt. This that's definitely what this. Uh, this category Coco is absolutely sublime it's a superb film the animation is wonderful the story is heartwarming the cinema in which I saw it in in Singapore everybody was crying at the end the music's lovely it, I mean Pixar have done it again and I think that is probably the easiest category to call because Coco is just absolutely superb I really wanted to see actually Loving Vincent I, I've just spotted that that is a nomination for best animated film I don't know if anyone's aware of it, but it's like a live action film that's the uh, like the the film has basically been painted over, so it looks like um, the paintings of Vincent Van Gogh, Van Gogh. I'm not sure how you say it. Yeah. Um, and it looks amazing, but I haven't really seen it. I didn't even know it come out. I don't know if it's come out in the UK. However, I really wanted to see it, so I can't comment on that. But for me, I do think Coco will take it home. So that's our, our category predictions uh, for this year's Academy Awards. Um, but last but not least, uh, the last element of our ballot is to talk about the film that we believe will win the most Oscars this year. Um, Gareth, I'm going to come to you first. What film do you think is going to take home the most Tiny Gold Men? Um, it is a tough one because, I don't know, you break it down into all these categories I, I just think the way that we've been talking about it three billboards probably it's got it's got a lot going for it hasn't it um in terms of the film itself but the actors and actresses absolutely kill it um i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with three billboards uh lucy what about you i can see three billboards winning like four of the big Oscars, but I think Shape of Water is going to win a lot of the technical ones. Yeah. So I actually, I'm going to go for Shape of Water. Len? I think that I completely echo Lucy's thoughts. I can see three three billboards winning three Oscars. I see it winning Best Picture. I see it winning Best Actress. And I see it winning Best Supporting Actor. Screenplay. I don't think it's going to win Adapted Screenplay. I think that the... I think that Shape of Water is going to win at least three or four technical awards. So I see Shape of Water being the most, especially costume design and all that all that bollocks. I see <laughs> I, I see it winning I see it winning more awards than three awards. I think Boss Baby I'll tell you what it's not. <laughs> Boss Baby. <laughs> That's cinematography right there. Um, um, no, all jokes yeah. aside, uh, our very own little Boss Baby, John, uh, his nomination <laughs> for most awards at this year's Oscars uh, is three billboards as well. Um, and I have to say, I'm inclined, ironically uh, and unusually, to agree with John and with Gareth over in Australia that I think three billboards is going to absolutely take it away this year. It, as much as my opinions have fluctuated and there's some other films I enjoyed more uh, in the long run, Three Billboards still holds a really strong place in my mind as something worthy of great recognition this year. I think this year has been a great year for the Oscars. I think yeah. I think 
take the bookies aside and what they think is going to win, I do genuinely believe that a lot of the categories are very hotly contested. The only one which I think isn't hotly contested are animation, sorry, and yeah. also uh, best actor. Yeah. Um, other than that, I think, honestly, you could see on the night there is there could be a surprise in there because the Academy, you know, they've been changing their voting pattern over the last couple of years after the complete you know, rollicking that they got for not including enough ethnicity in their nominations about two or three years ago. Um, hence why Moonlight, uh, you know, that mix-up, famous mix-up that happened last year when it beat La La Land to Best Picture. Um, so do not be surprised if the Academy changes up their voting for another year and, you know, there could be one or two that win big that we don't expect. But at the moment in time... I think our predictions are pretty safe, other than cinematography, in which case I think Lucy and Emma are absolutely nuts. But uh, other than that, you know, that's fine. Whatever. Uh, so that's it, guys. That is our roundup of the Best Picture nominations and probably the most hotly contested categories at this year's 90th Academy Awards. Uh, we will be revealing the results of our Oscars ballot in uh, about 12 days' time on the 5th slash 6th of March. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening uh, to our ramblings about the Oscars this year. We're really excited to see what film takes the uh, the most statues at this year's Academy Awards. Um, we've really enjoyed talking about our predictions for the Oscars. As usual, subscribe to us on our website, iTunes, or any other podcast app. Follow us on social media and tune in in the next few weeks for many more updates and coverage starting next week with the second half of season eight, The Walking Dead. Bullshit. Today, I have been joined by Gareth from Australia. Latest potatoes. It's back. There he is. Uh, Lucy. See ya. Len. See you guys. Not John, because he's dying of man flu. Oh, I'm aggressive and angry all the time. I'm not here. <laughs> I've been your host for the Oscars preview. Thank you very much and good night.